All right. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is the episode two of Under the Bar. And today I have um, training at a powerhouse gym right now. Um, Dominic, you say the Benedetto? Is that how you say last name? Yep. Everybody calls him Dibs, though. IFBB Pro, Classic Physique. Probably one of the, um, I won't say like one of the masters at motivating, motivation, motivating people. He's always, um, you're always a real positive guy. Um, you know, when you, when you post stuff on Facebook, it's always motivating. You always seem like you're in a good mood and you always got your head in the right spot. Uh, that's one thing I've noticed about you over the years. I remember when you were still winning, going for regional shows here when you first started, you know, now you're a pro and classic physique, which I kind of want you to touch on a little bit. Cause I want to, cause there's a good point that you made, um, about that when you got your pro card about, um, that thing people need to realize, but anyway, um, your now goal is to qualify for the Olympian Classic Physique and compete this upcoming year. And you're being trained by Mike Kawasaki, which I also have known for a very long time. And um, go ahead and uh, give us a little short background about how you got into everything and, you know, what, what, what about it that you like so much and, you know, just a little background. So I actually started uh, weightlifting uh, 2013 on my first deployment. Um, I met a guy, his name was uh, Jerome Whitaker, and he was uh, a bodybuilder on the ship. And um, just, uh, I really enjoyed how disciplined he was. I, I really admired that, you know, he did, he did things on his own. Like when we were to hit port, you know, he was never drinking alcohol. He was always eating his meals and uh, he was very happy living his life by his standards. And, you know, I kind of admired him. So I started weightlifting. And the moment I really, you know, touched the iron, it was, I got addicted right away. So I said, I want to do a bodybuilding show. So I got stationed here in uh, Hawaii and I was looking for a coach and uh, everyone's like, Mike Kawasaki, Mike Kawasaki. I'm like, all right, who is this guy? I went up to him and I was like, Hey, you want to train me? He's like, all right. And uh, you know, we've uh, kind of been together ever since he trained me. We did the paradise cup twice. We did the Frigno legacy twice. Um, we did um, well, we did two divisions of the paradise cup, which uh, I mean, excuse me, we did two divisions in the Frigno legacy, which uh, I won. Um, we did the Aloha muscle, which I won there. Um, with his first call outs and the first ever class physique national championship. So Mike really has taken me from uh, pretty much a nobody, you know, getting third place in the novice to, you know, always playing out top five, the national level. And now we're, you know, now we're moving on to the professional level. So we got our feet wet at the New York pro. We got a taste of it. The Atlantic coast pro saw what the standard is. And now, you know, we're working together to beat that stuff uh, to exceed that standard. Yeah. And I, um, I remember when you started and how, um, like balls of the wall, you were in the gym, always practicing, posing, like hey, you were always into it a hundred percent. You know, sometimes I don't think people understood when they saw how you were into it. And, um, yeah, I would try to explain to people, I'm like, that's, that guy is motivated. Like, this is what he wants to do. And like, you, you'll see he's getting bigger. He's getting leaner all the time. He's going to, he's going to get there. Like, cause he's like every, and he doesn't give a fuck if anybody's like giving him shit while he's posing or or grunting and pushing weights to the gym. Like he doesn't fucking care. Cause he's got goals. He's got his headset, his headset in the right direction. Now, when you turn pro at, at team universe. Yeah. Okay. So you finished now from what I understood the top two got the pro card placing and you finished third, but because one of the placings had already turned pro in another division, you got that pro card, right? Right. It was really uh, it was on one of those million to one shots. Yeah. And, um, it was, I got third and then actually I think two of the guys won it in other divisions. And it was like, well, since they've already, and they, they both won in classic physique division. So instead of giving them additional classic physique one, they gave it to me as the, you know, by a technicality, which, you know, as they say in that movie, um, um, Fast and the Furious, you know, whether, you know, whether it's an inch or a mile, you know, winning's winning. You know, I went there with a gold and win that pro card and I left with it, but I, pl I played by the rules. So, uh, you know, that was the rules of the show. I played by the rules. I got there. And, you know, luck is when hard work meets opportunity. That's the truth of it. You know, those who pay their dues, those are going to be the guys that come out and they say they're lucky. No, motherfucker. It takes, you know, you had to play every fucking hand, every card to get that, that little bit of luck sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, and usually somebody in a position that goes up there to Team Universe and sees the call outs and sees people being being placed ahead of him or even goes backstage and sees other people, they immediately psych themselves out. They're like, well, you know, I'll just come for the experience. I'll half fast or whatever. You don't fucking do that. So you went up there, you busted your ass. And when you're on stage posing, like you gave it your all and everything. And so if somebody says you got it by luck, I'm like, dude, he could have easily went up there and been like, you know what? Fuck it. Because I'm already going to be third or whatever, or fourth. And you could have dropped placings by going up there and not having the fucking attitude you had on stage. So believe it or not, there's a, there's a saying that I love, uh, which I'll be talking about Tim Grover a lot is that when you're, when you're great, 
you trust your instincts, but when you're unstoppable, your instincts trust you, right? Yeah. And that's important to really, I want people to really listen to what that means because it took me two years to really understand that. You know, when you're thinking to look at the greats like Kobe, like, you know, and they've got to, they've got to make that game winning shot. You know, their instincts may tell them, hey, I've got to pass. Hey, maybe I shouldn't take it. But when you're at an unstoppable level and you just know exactly what the fuck to do, you're going to take that winning shot. How that happened with me is, believe it or not, at Team U, we were promised we were going to get a one-minute posing routine. Then at the day of the show, they told us, no, you're going to get 45 seconds. While in line, they said four poses. So in my head, I had three minutes to build an entire posing routine to impress the judges, I actually watched everybody. I had about 20 some guys in that lineup. I watched them all just go, oh man, what about my posing routine? Or they said not through the four poses and they just did the routine. So I was able to build in my head four poses and go with transitions to impress the judges. And that's what got me into that, that top three, you know, that, that top position was that unstoppable. I got this. Don't worry. I know what I'm going to do. I don't need to trust my instincts. My instincts will trust me. I got you. I understand. It's um, and like you said, that attitude going in there is what what helped you get it. Because if if you like you said, if you'd have went in there and you'd have been like, well, you know, fuck this, or you'd have seen other people and got psyched out, you'd have finished fourth, fifth, sixth, and you wouldn't yep. even got a chance in it. And then you'd have been kicking yourself in the ass until you finally got it somewhere else. Even probably still kicking yourself in the ass because you know you could have done better if you would have gave it all out like you did. So about uh, I know this is what you want. I'm glad you picked this topic because this is something I think you're. Well, when, when I when I think about you as a person, the motivation mentality is something you I think you have mastered just for me observing you. So I'm glad this is what we're going to talk about. Um, oh, by the way, for you guys, when he talks about being on deployment stuff, he's in the Navy. He's IT, right? Yeah, yeah. So and um, so that's what he's referring to. So t- talk about the, how you got into the Tim Grover book and what what uh, the book you said relentless and what. Mm-hmm. I, I've read some descriptions of it. It sounds like something I'm going to get and read myself because I like I, I need to. I actually myself have been looking at stuff about mindset and stuff because honestly, people can say it's stupid, but the the way you think and the energy you put out is going to affect things around yes. you. Like if Absolutely. you sit there and you're like, you know, poor me, or or you know, you start thinking negative, you'll notice like tons of negative shit will start happening around you. You have to be positive. You have to be in a good mood. You have to be in a good spirit. And so when you brought this book up, I'm like, this is fucking perfect. So go the, since you've been working with a guy, give us a good in-depth about the book and about the person and that stuff you've been learning about. So to talk about who Tim Grover is, Tim Grover uh, works with athletes that are already great and brings them to another level. He was Michael Jordan's co- uh, trainer. He was Kobe Bryant's trainer for many years. Uh, he's worked with the top tier athletes to bring them up. Um, and after the New York Pro, after the Atlantis Coast Pro, and I saw the caliber, my mind was a little fucked up i was a little confused because i was i consider myself like you said i'm very motivated de- dedicated but honestly jed you're using the wrong words which we'll talk about in a minute right because the the words have, for me have changed since working with tim you know i want you to think about this okay everybody at the, the new york pro is motivated every single one is dedicated all of them stick to their diets every one of them works hard right and i knew that well, when I go in and I see 30 athletes all motivated, dedicated, how the fuck does the guy that wins over and over again, how do you get that? So I had to, I had to figure that out. I had, to, I had to go and someone recommended, one of my buddies recommended Relentless, said this is going to ask your, uh, this is going to be the solution. So I was like, okay, I read the book and it was like, all right, that makes sense. It's a little more research. And he actually holds like meetings called the Down and Dirty um, a group, which they talk, which is what they talk about. And what significantly changed was the language of a winner. So when we talk about language of winners, right, most people think motivated. They think dedicated, uh, tenacious. They think uh, disciplined, right? True. And if you know what, if you're doing, if you're doing the fucking Paradise Cup, you're doing regional local levels, right? A show, we're talking about shows, even in regular sports. Yeah, those words will get you there. That Those beliefs, because I'm a believer, and I learned this from another uh, mentor, that language dictates beliefs. So when you say motivated, disciplined, right? You, those are your basic beliefs. Those will get you to that top five. But when you're talking about competing at the highest level, and these are for your national level competitors, these are for the people going for the Olympia, you need a different set of words. So what I learned from Tim is not necessarily be motivated, dedicated, because everybody at that level is. You've got to be... You got to be unforgiving. You got to be 
um, <laughs> I can't think of the words right now. You got to be uncivilized. You have to be a killer. You have to be unapologetic. You know, you think of Michael Jordan, he was unapologetic. You got to be unhinged, uh, uninhithered, hard, nasty, rough. Those are the words of the people at the highest level. I'm not motivated anymore. I'm, I'm unforgiving now. I'd be, how am I unforgiving? I'm not unforgiving in an arrogant, cocky way. I'm unforgiving with my results, right? That's how I beat people now. Because once you start competing now at, at the, at, and this is for, I want people to really listen that are, you know, at the national level or the pro are going to be going to the pro level. People are pointing at you now at this level. People are watching you. And it's a lot harder to be motivated, disciplined, and dedicated, all that shit when everybody's watching you. When you're on your way up, no one gives a fuck. No one gives a shit. No one gave a shit about me. I did the frigno. No one cared about me at the Aloha Muscle. Now I'm a pro. Everybody's, oh, dibs is this, dibs is that. Half the people watching this are probably, you know, going, oh, look at dibs is arrogant. I want, you know, doing that. But what they don't understand is the results have spoken for themselves. And it's an unforgiving mentality that, that I'm going to be, I take what the fuck I need and I leave the rest of it behind. Yeah. I just that makes that makes a lot of sense because yeah you're right as you get to that level your the mentality you have that gets you there now everybody's got that so you have yep. to get a step higher. You need a new set of words that are going to yeah. bring you to that next level. And that actually, because uh, I've seen the that special they had on Michael Jordan on, on Netflix, and now that really explains a lot of where his attitude comes from. Yep, it makes perfect sense. The the classes the class I take the down and dirty class is uh, it's a lot of the Michael how Michael Jordan's mind was how Kobe's mind was and Michael was he was very you know we talk about right now um, you know being a pandemic where everyone is quarantined you know I found out that Michael Jordan went through a fifteen year quarantine imagine traveling around the country and you can't leave your hotel room yeah. you're there just to win games because if you left your hotel room you get mobbed by everybody so you're traveling around the country and you can't even leave. That is, that was a real quarantine, you know, and that was the mind. And he went every day. He held, he held this, he was so selfish, right. But in such a positive way, because he wanted to win and his wanting to win made everybody else win. So when people tell me, well, Dibs, sometimes you're kind of selfish. That's what you talk about. Agreed. I, I'm, I'm a very selfish person, but I want everybody around me to be better as well. So when I'm selfish, because I win, Right. But he wins, too, because he models me and then she wants that. And then she and then everybody else's expectation is better of themselves. That's a perfect kind of selfish. So really good selfishness is when it brings up everybody else around you. There's nothing wrong with being selfish. It's a um, people will call you selfish when it affects them. You know, oh, you don't have time for me. Oh, you, you're too focused on this. You're too, too focused on that. And then they want to feel the guilt factor onto it. You know, they make you feel guilty the way you're doing. Because yeah. it affects them. Being selfish is okay as long as it brings around everybody else around you. You know, and, and people that people that meet you and say that shit though, they don't know you though. Because I mean, I how long how long have you been? I mean, you, I've known you for a few years now. Yeah. And um, anybody that that comes gets that first impression uh, just sees you will say that. But yeah. you know, me from my experience, I'm like, okay, well, this is some guy who's who's brought me business, brought me clients of people because I work good with military that need to pass their PT tests and stuff. He didn't have to do that shit. You say right. he's cocky and arrogant and shit, but this guy went out of his way to fucking help me out because he he finds people that need training that I fit well with. He didn't have to do that. So, I mean, like, I see this shit, and people – that's why when people just look at someone and start judging, I'm like, dude, you don't even fucking know this guy. Yeah. You and know, it's, so, it, it, I've dealt with that in my life. Guido, Jersey boy, nice hair, tan. It's just it, – you know, it comes with the territory. But people can judge me. I say, you can judge me all you want, but judge me on my results. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I, I the results speak for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, people that say that shit don't even give you a chance where people are going to be fucking jealous and shit anyway. People that can't do it. Don't so, care. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, now, what? Uh, explain more about, because uh, one thing you mentioned to me was this, like stealth charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's that, what's that about? So stealth charisma is something I learned uh, about 11 years ago from a mentor of mine named uh, Ross Jeffries. Um, he uh, actually helped me and me knowing myself as I do, and I'm not, I'm not afraid to talk about my past. And I actually was petrified, petrified to even look in the mirror because I would just see a short little five foot five guy who's got a little dot on his nose and no girl would ever talk to him because Earl's only like tall, good looking guys. They don't like short guys, right? That's, you know, that's a stereotype. Yeah. So uh, Ross Jeffries actually really helped me gain personal confidence 
Um, and one of the biggest lessons you learned uh, taught me was something called stealth charisma. Now, stealth charisma, I took from not just, you know, being able to, you know, going out and talking to a girl or asking a girl out, but being able to take that to my competition realm. So stealth charisma basically is, is that walking into any situation that you don't need a guarantee for walk into any situation to give anybody radical, radical permission to have whatever response to you that they have or walking in and not being afraid to fail. And if you do fail, you just move on. So I would basically, I have this mentality of I can walk into any situation and if I fail, I'll learn from it and move on. I guarantee you right now, you have many of your athletes, clients, right? That fuck up, they learn from it, but they never let go. They just dwell on it. And what happens when you dwell on something, you train it in your mind and you keep doing it again and again, right? So Tim Grover also talks about this. He talks about having the confidence to fail. People want confidence to succeed. What about having the confidence to fail, fuck up, and let it go? This is where, this is what separates the goods, the greats, and the unstoppables. The guy that's not afraid to go talk to the beautiful girl, and if he fails, moves on. The guy that's not afraid to make the, the shot, and if he misses, oh, well, you think Kobe had time when he had that, to make that two-second shot to worry about if he failed? And look at how many he's missed. You think he sat and dwelled on that? So... I want everyone to think about the most successful people, you know, the most successful motherfucker, you know, all right. And sit and think, do you think that person sits dwelling about his mistakes? No. Right. That is stealth charisma. That's a very, that's a very way of being attractive to the world because when you can walk into a situation and not need a guarantee, you are, you are ahead of 99% of the world. That's what I learned. I, um, I, that's something I do stress when people, slip off the diet or fuck up and you know i said i tell them like okay well this is what you did now you know that this is what it does so you're not going to do it again but you can't sit here and just think about it and dwell on it sit there and fucking cry about it so you fucked up cool now you know this something you can't do and this is why so pick up tomorrow full steam ahead that's all you can do you if you learn from it then is it really a failure if you learn from it and it helps you get better no i mean yeah so that's that's what that's what makes it a difference, and that's that's something I've said for a while. I just never knew there was a, a term to 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 put to it. And I've also heard even Schwarzenegger talk about you know if you're afraid to fail, you'll never succeed. You have to yeah. take that shot. So um, and that's that's the whole. You can also relate that to people that are afraid to come out of their comfort zone. If something gets a little uncomfortable outside their schedule, they don't want to do it. But then ten years down the road, they're in the same fucking place they were. They never prospered anywhere. A lot of that has to do with the fear of criticism. A lot of people, and uh, Napoleon Hill talks about this in book Think and Grow Rich, which was written in 1930s. Many people don't become successful because they're afraid of what somebody else is going to think. There are six fears to um, why people don't become rich. And one of the biggest ones is fear of criticism. You know, you're, people get so scared of what other people have to say about it because they, they seek their validation. And, oh, that person thinks less of me now. If I miss this, I let all these people down. And that's why guilt is, I think guilt is a stronger emotion than motivation. How many times have people fucked up because they've, they felt guilty or they never took that chance because if they messed up, these people would feel like, oh, I let them down. So, you know, guilt is such a, such a powerful emotion that gets played on that you, um, I think all athletes and all people that are, you know, seeking that next level of success. They have to learn to let go of their guilt and let go of things that made them feel guilty. Probably a different conversation. Most people are expecting, huh? Think we're going to talk about <laughs> weightlifting for an hour. No, we're 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 talking about really deep shit that that you know a lot of people don't cover, don't want to talk about. That's why I want uh, the listeners to really sit back and you know reflect on, hey, what the fuck's holding you back? What is stopping you from from winning that show? How many of you athletes out there have gone and done national six times and not won? Do you think it's because of your physique, or do you think it's because something else is holding you back? You know, that's, that's what, that's how I look at things. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we'll, we'll, I'll have people on, they'll talk about their training and eating and some of that's useful, but after a while, you've about seen and heard everything. And then you've tried and done everything. And you like you said, what's that variable that I'm fucking missing? And mm-hmm. like I said, people don't want to talk about this stuff because it deals with emotions that they don't want to deal with. It deals with yeah. fuck ups they don't want to deal with. And sometimes that's the one thing you're missing that you need. I mean, any, I mean, after a while, anybody can get to where they can follow a program and go into a gym. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, once you, I mean, 
you'll get into if you're going to the gym every day and you're eating and stuff like you're so good you're there's still a lot of people that are doing the same thing you're doing so like we were talking about earlier what's that one thing that's going to put you above them and that's this element right here that some people don't want to deal with right um something that and a good exercise to do to practice is going to bed with clarity at night um so what i do every single night is i throw out the garbage and when i throw out the garbage I actually imagine myself throwing all that bullshit that's holding me back throughout the day and putting it in there and taking it out. Um, you know, if you go to bed every night with, with the garbage that's, car that's carrying you on uh, that you deal with throughout the day or deal without life, you're not going to get good rest. You're not going to have good clarity. Every night, it's essential to go to sleep with a sense of clarity. Go to bed with a quiet mind. Now, it doesn't happen all the time. You know what I mean? There's times that you, you have a lot going on. We're all human. But I can say 95% of the time when I go to sleep at night, I have a quiet, clear, happy mind because I got rid of all the garbage holding me back. S successful people, and Tim Grover called these cleaners, uh, when they're at the, you know, the top, top level, they only take what they need and they leave everything else behind. They don't, they don't carry a lot of shit with them. If you got to climb a mountain, do you want a 100-pound bag or do you want a 10-pound bag? And you want that 10 pounds to be of shit that's actually going to help you get to the top, not yeah. just worthless stuff. It's funny you said that because that's something I've had a hard time with this week sleeping because I've had a bunch of shit come up and it's been bugging the hell out of me. And I've actually had a hard time sleeping. And we know that the better you sleep, the better your results are going to be because that's when yeah. your body heals up. So if you've got shit aching on your mind, keeping you up, it's just going to fucking hold you back. So whoever that whatever that situation is or whoever that person is that's keeping you up, they're probably not even fucking worth it. If they're keeping it from holding you anytime, some, some elements keeping you from getting to where you're wanting to be, it needs to go. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely believe that even if it's a person or a thing or whatever the fuck it is. Now, something you mentioned here that I want to talk about um, having people in your circle. I do stress environment. And one thing I will say is um, and I'm actually going to do a separate video on this myself about environment, about how, um, a lot of people are afraid to there's a period where they go on their own because they're leaving stuff behind or leaving friends behind that are not going to be helping them. And if they, if they want to prosper, they, they have to let some of that go. But as you get through that period by yourself and start getting in a new routine, you will come across other people doing the same thing you're doing and your environment will start adapting to what your goals are, but yes, you have exactly. to break out of that zone. You have to break out of that zone and go through that period on your own of being uncomfortable and figuring shit out until you come across those people. Now, what you said um, about having people in your circle with the, you know, with the same goals and stuff that you have, or the people in your circle have to be as fucked up as you are. Yep. That's, it's kind of the same thing, but clarify on what your angle is on that. So, um, I know what we were wanted to talk a little bit about balance and stuff like that. And it comes, it all comes down to is that the people in your, when, when on your way to success at the highest level, everybody needs to be just as fucked up as you are in some way. My, my coaches, um, you know, Mike, even as quiet as he is, he's as, as tough, as ruthless as, as it comes as a trainer, you know what I mean? As, as hard as it is. Um, one of my other coaches I work with, Dave, uh, dynamic fitness coach in Florida, him too. He's just as let's go fucking win attitude, whatever it takes to win. Um, you know, my girlfriend, she just has a very a rough, let's go, you know, bring on another set, everything. So everything in my life, every person that is involved close to me is, is on that same journey. I do will not accept anything less. Um, and some people, they, I, this is just my belief. I could be wrong. You know, some people believe, oh, you know, you have balance in your relationship. You need to have balance. Some that's going to help you. Look, if you've got balance, right, you got a scale and you weigh some here and you weigh some here and they're equal. What does that come to? Zero. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, you can't, you can't have that. Every single person around you needs to be on the same path. And the moment you have somebody else, um, that thinks differently, they're going to start throwing those emotions like guilt the selfishness, this and that, because they don't, they don't understand. And the girl I was dating uh, a few months ago, um, she had problems with the money I was spending in bodybuilding. And I was like, well, you know, this is my goal. She was like, well, we could put it towards this, put it towards that. And that's when I realized this girl isn't on the same fucking page that I'm on and she's going to end up holding me back. And I, you know, I had to tell her, Hey, it ain't going to work out. You're not the one. Um, you know, I need somebody in my life that is going to be a hundred percent, go fucking do this or, you know, that's it. It's not going to work out. And that's how everybody in your circle needs to be when, when it comes down to the down and dirty group, you know, we're all successful people. You're talking about the number one and number three uh, parachute jumpers in the world, the best piano player in the world. Yeah, Phil Heath comes in sometimes. 
um, in, uh, I've seen him in so, some of the classes. Uh, on Mondays, I have a mastermind group with um, um, really rich uh, people that are talking about, talk about Napoleon Hill, all sitting here talking about, hey, what do we do good this week? What are our wins? What can we focus on this week to get us on the next level? All different goals, but on the same ruthless mentality of, of this is our life, and I'm not going to set towards a mediocre one. You know, some people could say when you talked about the letting the girlfriend go, could probably think you're an ass, but I think that's pretty fucking cool, though. <laughs> I mean, that's so like to have the balls to do that because some people don't even, well, you know, she's good. Like, well, dude, she's holding you fuck back. Who cares? Like, it's not going to, because if it, you don't cut it off now, you don't rip the band aid off now, then 10 years down the road, when you've got kids and shit, realize you're not the one, yep. it's going to fucking suck worse then. So it's Hard good. choices require yeah. the strongest wills. And you got it. When you realize it's not going to work, you got to cut that shit off before it gets worse, before you get deeper yeah. in the fucking hole. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely down with you on that. That's yeah. Um, and when you, you said about balance, that was a good point. Um, I, I know a lot of people preach that, but you know, through experience and I've been, I've been trying to, and the, you know, I've, I've been more, I've been better as a trainer than I have a competitor, but I still have that, that, that least wanting to win at least one show. But, and I, you know, I realize that until I do that, my life's going to be mostly dedicated to that. But you know what? I am completely fucking okay with that. Like mm-hmm. the other stuff that people say for balance, like we well, you know, need this. I don't fucking want that shit. That's not, that's not interesting. the stuff that you're th- saying that I need to have in my life to have balance would throw me off and make me fucking miserable. Yeah. I don't want that shit. I want that scale to be toppled over in the direction that I want it. I don't want to be mediocre. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we, uh, I'm going to talk about the dark side or dark side later, but when it comes to balance, um, you, you know, if you, people say that if you have, I have too much on my plate or whatever to do this, we'll get a fucking smaller plate, take what you need, you know, take, get, get rid of the rest. Um, people that want balance, what they're really, they want is, is they want an escape from what they're working on. And people like us can't actually do that. I can't go on a vacation. I can't, I, I mean, I enjoy my nights out, but at the, you know, I know when I need to rest. I know when I need to recover. I know when I need a beach day, stuff like that. But it's not about having balance. All of it is part of the process. Somebody saw me on the beach and they're like, oh, you're not in the gym? I was like, no, man, this, uh, this, is my, this is my day to unwind the mind. So tomorrow I have a harder workout. It's actually part of the journey. What people say when they want balance is they want an excuse to go out and do shit that they know is not part of it's going to help them. They want to go get drunk on a Friday because they've been sober for this time. Oh, that's about balance. No, it's not about balance. All right. You have to be, you have to be really honest with yourself and know who, who know who you are. Um, know when you need to rest, you know, and having balance, not having balance, but knowing when you need to rest. For example, I see people talk about, I only go on four hours of sleep. You hear that a lot in the military. Yeah. Three hours of sleep a night, bro. Fucking sleep is for the week. I was like, have you gone two weeks without three hours of sleep? Dude, how the fuck can you focus? How can you focus? You know, knowing when to rest, that is part of your process. That's part of your journey. Knowing when to have fun, knowing when to escape. But that doesn't mean that you're balancing everything out. That means it's all encompassed into getting that goal and end result. Do you follow me? Does that make sense? No, it does. Because when you, especially in bodybuilding, like if you don't rest, your body doesn't, recover and you have to recover in order for metabolism to be up in order for muscles to be there so mm-hmm. if you are a day like okay well i don't want to sit in the house and i've got my food with me i'm gonna go to the beach and lay down nothing wrong with that that doesn't right. mean you're out fucking binge drinking for days fucking shit up like a day right. off people that's one thing i keep having to preach people's like dude you need to take time off like working out can i do extra days fuck no you need these days off this week it's just as important but don't be going out and doing stupid shit going to the beach is perfectly fine yeah that's not balance that's all in the equation and when mm-hmm. people when people put that balance when they put those things in there like they'll, they'll immediately ask you oh well you know can i drink or can i have cheat meals and stuff like dude you're already in your mind's already in the bad spot like yes. you should you don't go into a program to get better and think about when you're going to get the things that have been fucking you up Absolutely. You don't do that shit. You have to be willing to let that shit go. Will there be one down the road? Probably will. Does that need to be on your mind? No, you need to have the mentality that you're not going to get that shit for a long time because that needs to not be on your mind at all. Winning is all consuming. I, it's my favorite quote. Winning is all fucking consuming. It's going to cost every dollar. It's going to cost every bit of your time. It's going to be 24 hours a day. And it's not just winning and bodybuilding. You know, for those those E6s trying to put on chief, you know, competition's hard. But guess what? 
you're going to have to fucking study. You're going to have to do the volunteer work. You're going to have to come in on your off time. You're going to have to consume your life to put on anchors. I'm not, I'm an E6 right now. And I get a lot of, you know, pressure from the chiefs saying, Hey, you know, you should be, you know, focusing on this. I'm like, I'm not ready for that level yet because it's going to consume me. I, when I want to put on anchors, I will dedicate my time to, but right now bodybuilding is consuming every minute of my life. And I'm happy with that. Yeah. Because when it's eventually when it's over, I'm going to have no regrets. I don't want to say, well, you know, I focus a little bit of my time here and then uh, I did a little bit of my time there and I put some time here. No, it is focus on this. No, I, I, and I've been in, I know what happens when you put on the anchors. It's like you're it, it and you got to play the politics. Yeah, it's all part of the game. You got to play the game. And that takes a lot of fucking time. And if you have other goals, sometimes, like you said, you got to put that off. So another thing too is, you know, there's a give and take a bit, you know, if you're going to be a great businessman and you're focused on money, 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 and you're going to worry about, you know, your military career, if you're military, you're a businessman, your family may suffer a little bit. They're going to have to bite the bullet, you know, a little bit. If, if, you know, your, your, uh, your hobbies are going to bite the bullet. If I'm focusing on bodybuilding and winning championships, guess what? my career may have to suffer a little bit. My time with my friends and my family going to have to suffer a little bit. If you're right about being an awesome dad and your goal is to be the best dad in the world, your career is probably going to suffer a little bit. There's got to be a give and take. Now, is it possible to do a little bit of everything? Yes. Yeah, you can. All right. I'm not saying you can't do it. You can do it, be a great military man, be a great dad to be the absolute best at the highest level. You know, I'm a two time sailor of the year. You know, I was, I was searching rescue swimmer of the year, 2014. I've got 10 rescues, right? Um, to do that at the highest level? No, because my goal was to be the best search and rescue swimmer in the Navy, to be the best sailor on my ship. And everything else around me at the time, a little bit had to suffer. And you did that as a fucking IT too. You weren't, you weren't an AW. No, it was not. Yeah, so, I mean, that's yeah. even, that's even more impressive because that's like not even part of your fucking rate and you still did it. Mm-hmm. So that definitely says something. Um, yeah, yeah. It, but, you know, if, if they support the person, if the family supports them and stuff, it'll pay off. Yes. And I, I say this to a lot of people, too. You, and this is one of the reasons why I got out to pursue doing what I do now, because I kind of realized I had a knack for it when I was in. But I tell people, like, I don't want to be 10 years down the road being Mr. What If. What if I would have done it? What if I would have made it? Well, I'll never know because I never had the fucking balls to make that move I needed to make. Right. You know, what if I never would have went to this place to work instead of here? What if I never would have, you know, got smold my career around what I wanted to do and I just went the safe route with the nine to five? You know, yeah, there's going to be dips and stuff, but you know, every success story I've ever heard, there's usually a period where that person is rock fucking bottom before they hit it. And I think that's a, that's a time where, where you're being tested. Like, do you really fucking want to do this or not? Mm-hmm. And if you do, it will prosper. But if you bail, like, fuck it. You know, I think I think some people have to go through that to realize, you know, how bad they want to do it. I was just hearing about um, the whole DDP yoga thing about how he lost everything putting into that program, and now it's like super successful. But he was losing his house and everything going into it. Napoleon Hill talks about that in Think and Grow Rich. It's when uh, things are at the absolute worst, and when people don't give up, there is like a miracle that seems to happen. And honestly, I'm living proof of that. When I did Team U, um, all I talked to everybody. Uh, that was close to me, but they didn't get it. They said, you don't need to do it because when I won my, when I won my pro card, my bank account said zero, 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 zero. It literally costed me everything that I had, you know, you know training, supplements, flying, fucking um, hotels, car, and, you know, competing for three years straight. I had to spend everything. And I'm like, man, I might not win. And then they're like, well, what if you don't win? Then you're broke. And I was like, right. But what if I do? And it was at when I was absolute rock bottom, like, yeah, hey, I want my pro card. I got to start saving money because I'm fucking broke. Right. But guess what? I rather, I'd rather be broke. I'd rather be in debt to money than be in debt to regret. That's a, that's a good line. That's a dude. That is a fucking quote. It's and usually those people that say shit like that. Like, well, what if you don't win? Like, that's already type of energy you don't fucking need. Yeah. Like that's right. You need to be the, what if you do that's, that's better. Cause, um, any, like, I get pissed when people say shit like that. Cleaners love the unknown. They love it because you don't know what might happen. You could win. So that gives you ability to control everything now. Every little thing we get to control now. I get to control my diet because I might fucking win. So I'm going to do every single thing. So I'm so fucking ready that when they come at me with something, I'm ready to handle it. 
Yeah. And even with all aspects of life, people that have been thrown to the wolves and people that have had to, that have had it rougher growing up and stuff, like they seem to be able to deal with life a little bit better because they have all these experiences. And even though it's not the same situation, if it relates closely to something you've done before, it's going to help. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I'll, I'll give you a cheesy but true examples. When I left MEPS to go to fucking Buki, I had no idea what's going on. Looking back, I was like, oh, that wasn't nothing. But going into it, I was scared as a motherfucker. Yeah. But now if I want to go somewhere alone or go somewhere I haven't been by myself or something, it's not a big deal because I've done it. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, hell, I mean, you know, I was all scared about this shit and it wasn't really that bad. So, fuck, let's try this. Like, you know, but before that, I never would have went anywhere unless somebody was like holding my damn hand all the time. Uh, I want to talk about um, a topic that I want to save this to the end, because if you're still listening to the end, that means you're you're really invested in what I'm saying now. And um, it's a topic that is not really very believed on. And it's a, there's a book coming off, another book by Tim Grover coming out called Winning, which is coming out in May. I recommend you pre-ordering it. And it's going to talk about a topic called the dark side. Um, now, the dark side, I believe that we all have a dark side that refuses to be taught good. Okay. This has nothing to do with evil. This has nothing to do with being bad or breaking the law. What this is, is saying that we're all born bad. We're just taught to be good. All right. If you look at, if you look at a lion born in the jungle, right. Or excuse me, born in the zoo and they feed it his whole life. And then they let that lion out in the wild, right. That wild, that animal's still going to have those killer instincts. It's going to go hunt food. Okay. When you think of a baby, that baby is screaming and crying. You can't get a child and you can't say, no, no, you can't yell at me. That baby's going to cry until you feed him. That two-year-old, stop it. Come here. Stop. Be good. Don't do that, right? We're all born bad. We're just taught over the years to be good. I think that a little bit of bad in us never seems to go away. So we all have addictions. We all have, we all have things that we're addicted to. What really creates power is when to say no to it and when to control it and when to escape to it, right? So I think of how to harness your dark side is find the most selfish you've ever been in your life. Have you ever done something? Have you ever done something, right? And I'm not talking to you and to the listeners, right? If you've done something, you're like, oh my fucking God, why did I do that? Oh my God, I can't believe I just did that, right? Let me tell you something. That's who the fuck you really are. That's your dark side coming out. And that dark side that comes out, that is what's going to give you your discipline to go to the gym when you're fucking tired. That's going to give you your your motivation to push that extra fucking rep when you're in so much fucking pain because you want to win so fucking bad that you're doing this for yourself, right? That's the dark side. Now, all of us have it, right? Um, Some people, it's alcohol. They, they, They love the booze. They love the party and love the drink, right? And I knew a guy who was a party or drinker. And I said, look, if you learn to say no, and control it, that is when you're going to be, if you can monitor your partying, right, to this little bit of time and just escape to it when you fucking need to, that is when you're going to harness your power because you know I can fucking focus 100% on my fucking goal no matter what. And you know what? When things go on, the stresses, I can escape to my dark side a little bit and then I can come back. It's a very difficult topic. A lot of people don't understand it unless you are getting to that higher level. And my dark side, for example, I know when to escape to it. I know when to escape to it and I know when to say no to it. And it's something I can do. I can go away to and whether people judge you or not, they can go fuck themselves because this is all about my, my, my mind, my uh, release. Well, yeah, I mean, what, and yeah, what, what you do is your own business anyway. I'm not, I mean, I've not, I've always, I've always been like that. I, I see what you're saying. That's, um, I think, uh, you know, when, when I was younger, drinking was really bad for me and I had to, mm-hmm. I had to learn how to cut it off and I don't go back to it just cause I don't want to now. I'm actually proud of the fact that I can go to the bars and stuff and not even drink anything. So, but I mean, there was a time where I like, I could not do anything without having a buzz or some shit like that. Right. And being able to control that, to control that demon gives you the ability to control every other aspect in your life. Yes. Okay. And that is when that's, that's where people don't understand is, is when I, when they talk about dark side, they're thinking about the bad that this and that. I'm like, look, you got two options, right? We all have a dark, like we all have demons with us. You can either push the demon down and ignore that it's there, or you can make friends with your demons and say, Hey, this demon is part of who the fuck I am. I'm going to make friends with it and I'm going to use it. Your dark side could only help you. 
it'll never, it will never not help you unless you can't control it. So once you learn to control the dark side and you learn to utilize it, that is when it's, it's 3 a.m. You got to be at work at five and you're going to go to work anyway. That's the dark side that's pushing. You know, you look at like politicians and, you know, you see them getting in trouble for, you know, um, you know, drugs or prostitution or something. You see football players are getting DUIs. Let me tell you, a CEO of a business, a, a drug lord, drug king, and a professional athlete at the highest level, they're not really much different. They're all killers in their field. They all have to be the best in everything. They need to control everything. They need to be the number one. Whether you're a CEO, a drug lord, or a, a four-time champion, you really the mentality really doesn't change. Yeah, it's just applied to different things, depending Absolutely. on what your goal is. Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, what was I going to say? Oh, when you mentioned about controlling the demons, um, that reminded me, when I had actually learned to stop, drinking on the weekends and stuff, I, it was so much easier for me to, to be disciplined with food. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm like, if I can fucking yes. push this, then I, I mean, this is what I really want. If I can push that aside, then it's no big deal to push this aside. It was yes. easy after that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I definitely, get it. It, it does. It does. Cause I mean, if you can battle the biggest one, then the other ones ain't shit. Yes. And that's what I, I, I express to people too. Hey, what's the, what, what is that most selfish you ever been? That dark side that you got, can you say no to it or can, control it only go to it when you need to yeah all right and then i just watched them succeed exponentially crazily things happen because they found that they have that control either your dark side can control you or you can control it it's one or the other and that's what people don't understand that's where people kind of get lost in, in life is that they're they're so worried about finding that balance and doing this and doing that hey no one to say no to it focus on this and then hey when it's time to be that then you can go to it go to escape um like i said i can't go on a vacation uh, to me going on a vacation is weakness you know i need something else that i can go and control something else that i can i can put pressure on you know pressure is a privilege prefer pre- having pressure is one of the best privileges we can have imagine being a, fo- a football player and your coach putting you in for that big shot that's a lot of fucking pressure man you can do that and you can do something once yeah but you can do it over and over again that is what, that's what makes you unstoppable pressure. You know, I tell everybody, and I learned this, this was what I learned from Tim Grover is that go out and seek pressure. You know, the Sean Ray's coming up, right. That's a big show in Hawaii. You know, I, re- I've been, I was raised here as a bodybuilder in Hawaii. You know, I represent Hawaii everywhere I go, you know, I'm going to have to compete in the Sean Ray and rep, you know, be people are to come to our state. That's fucking. Well, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you if you were going to do that. Yeah, I'm doing it. You know, you're going to take a shot at the King. Maybe you best not miss because I'm coming in. You know, I'm, you know, Mike and I already talked about it. We're coming in swinging. This is, this is Hawaii's become my home and I'm a proud classic physique competitor representing the state of Hawaii. All right. You're, you're going to open up the, people are going to fly here. All right. Well, guess what? Well, you know, you're going to have to come down with me. And I, I don't mean that I look, people can say arrogance. Look, you can't be a champion unless you're a competitive motherfucker. I'm very competitive and I want to win. There's a difference. Just being confident doesn't make you cocky. If you're confident, yeah. that's okay. When you, I mean, there's a big difference. People get those two mixed up. Oh yeah, absolutely. They they, they absolutely get mixed up. But um, um, go ahead. You, you know, you look at Phil Heath. They, people rip on Phil Heath. He's arrogant. Good guy's a seven-time world champion. Yeah. You know, he's always said, "I'm a killer. I'm out to win." He's he's stuck to his guns from you know how many years. You know, people mistake that that arrogance for cockiness. But and we live in a society today where if you're competitive, it immediately gets put to, oh, you're arrogant. Oh, he's got no, man. I want to win. I'm not here to be the if I wanted to be the best me, I'd just be, hey, Jed, do I look good? Yeah. All right. Thanks, bro. All right. That's be be the best me. You know, I want to win titles. I want the you versus you attitude is cool, but it's not just you versus you. It's you versus you and it's you versus them. It's you versus you. You got to be at the gym. You got to be accountable to your diet and not cheat. Right. Right. Even when people say, hey, look, hey, Cheech, coach will never know. Motherfucker, you'll know. That's you versus you. You versus them is saying, hey, these motherfuckers are coming to my island to compete against me. Guess what? I'm bringing in my fucking absolute best physique I'll ever have because I need to beat them. So it is versus you versus you and it's you versus them. That is the different mentality that I think will separate the good, the great and the unstoppable. I think one of the first obstacles people that get into this sport have is you versus life because they have to, 
they have to learn this discipline, this dieting, this training on top of the shit that's already, because life doesn't go away. You're still going to get a flat tire. You still got to pick your kids up from school. Yes. You still got to go to work. So you have to learn if this is really what you want to do. That's like the first obstacle you can do is how you going to do all this and do all this shit on top of this new goal you have. And a lot of people get weeded out with that first obstacle. What, I, what Dave Canfee taught me, uh, dynamic fitness, when I was living in Florida, was that problem planning is problem solving. You know, when you're a bodybuilder, you know, he, he hit the nail on the head. When you're a bodybuilder, everything else, and you're a true bodybuilder, everything else manages. Because my room is always clean because I have to have clean clothes. My dishes are done. My food is always prepped. Um, I start planning for shit that can go wrong. Hey, when do I got to change my oil? When do I have to do this? Because if something happens in the middle of prep, you know, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. So you have to start planning for all the problems that can come your way and start handling that shit now. And, you know, being a bodybuilder, I never made a dime doing it. But let me tell you, I've gotten more responsible, financially responsible. I've gotten more responsible with my food. I became a much better person and organized my life because I, everything else revolves around the sport. Yeah, it definitely it changes you as a person. It makes you see... One thing I tell people that first get into it, if they make it all the way through, is what you're going to understand is some of the things you thought were big deals in your life, it's not going to be shit. When somebody's right. complaining because they didn't get the right shit at the restaurant or they didn't get to go on time, you're going to be like, man, what the fuck? That ain't shit. <laughs> because you did, you've done stuff so much harder. You mm -hmm. know, so it definitely, if, if you're one of these people that actually makes it through a prep or makes it to a contest, I mean, you at least can take that with you that you're a stronger and better person and the stuff that you used to think was a big deal ain't shit anymore. And I think that, I think it helps. I think it helps people that get through it. I think it helps them be more disciplined. Cause I see a lot of, I see people that go through it and do a couple of contests and they quit. But then when it comes to their everyday life stuff, they're a lot better structured and a lot better disciplined with stuff. And they don't go fucking crazy off the deep end all the time because they've had the experience of having to buckle down, which is um, what thing you said about going back about, people looking for balance like there has to i think people get so deep into the demons that for them to achieve true balance they have to go 100 percent in the other direction for a while like because yeah. if it's like if you can because i tell people like if you can go this long without cheating then when it comes time to when you can you're going to be able to control yourself but if you already have the mindset you're gonna do it every weekend you're fucking done yeah. You're done. You're already because you're already looking forward to that first Saturday and you haven't even been following your diet this week. You're off the deep end. So in order, I think my personal opinion, in order to achieve that balance, you have to go extreme in the other direction to kind of throw the scale in the other direction so that you can you make what you're doing now the priority and the other stuff just mod very moderate. And that's because it once you say balance, you automatically think equal of both. So if I do this, then I can fuck up this much. Right. And that's they got to get out of that mentality. I think that's a, it's a mentality. If you're just trying to be average, if you're just trying, if you're, if you're not trying to win, if you're just trying to get through life, dude, have balance, go spend time with your family, you know, go to work, go home, spend some time with your family, play some video games, go to bed on the weekends, go watch the fucking ball game, work on the, you know, if you want to, if you're a normal average guy, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're not here to be fucking average. You don't want to be average. If you're just sitting here listening to us talk this or this long, you're not, you don't want to be average. You want to be the number one motherfucker. Right. And to do that, you know, there, there's no balance. Yeah, you do have to escape to that dark side. You do have to have that some that escape, that other control. But everything has to be consumed. Winning is all consuming. That's why I love that quote so much. And, and you know what? It's worth it. Everybody, I mean, everybody that's super successful goes through a period where they get like that. And I mean, it pays off. And that's mm -hmm. what you have. That's what you have to fucking do, man. I mean, there's not, you're not going to get that people that think that they can get that doing their everyday shit is it's, it's not going to happen. There has to be a period where you have to buckle down and everything has to be geared towards that one thing, because those are the people that, that make it. I mean, that's just how, that's how life is. It's just how it is. I, people have it a hard time a, coming to terms with that shit. It is a, uh, an end result, a goal with a burning desire, you know, uh, 1930 <laughs> that was written, you know, you have to have a vision you have to have know exactly what the fuck you want. And you have to have a burning desire to go get it. Napoleon Hill, a lot of people nag on him because it was a hundred years ago uh, almost, but the, the principles still apply today. You know, that's why Think and Grow Rich, I think is a great starter book for anybody who wants to do, you know, start with anything goal oriented because it touches on a lot of the shit that still apply today. It was really a foundation, you know, think and think and grow rich. That's what he says. You know, you have to have that big vision and you got to have a burning desire to fucking do it. If you don't have that burning desire and you don't have the right people around you. See, we're all, we're kind of, this, this podcast is coming full circle because it's talking about having the people around you. 
focusing on it, knowing that that is how you get there. And then when you fail, you fuck up, right? You move the fuck on and you keep going. That's when shit happens. That's the difference between the good, the great, and the unstoppable. That's how you get, that's how you get the Thomas Edison's and the fucking Henry Forbes and the Michael Jordan's, the, you know, the soon to be Dominic Benedetto's. That's how you get the fucking names that we'll never forget. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. I mean, you may be good, but 10 years, 20 years from now, nobody may even know who the fuck you are. But if you're great, like the names you just mentioned, people will never forget those guys. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we, we're, we're taught in a society to be relent. Like I said, we're all taught to be good. We're all taught to be great average people, right, to fit in. But the people we admire the most are the motherfuckers who don't fit in at all. Kobe was the loneliest of them all. You know, it, you know, he was such a such a lonely road. While people were out partying, Kobe was practicing. Kobe used to wake up at three a.m. to go play basketball by himself. You know, that was his that was his escape. His that was his dark side, and you know, it, his journey was that it was a hundred percent towards basketball. Um, you know, when he, after some games, he would go back to practice some more. Who the fuck who does that? You know, you that'd be like after winning the Paradise Cup. All right, I'm gonna go work out in the gym. Instead of going to a cheat meal, that was Kobe's mentality. That's a level that we're, I'm still trying to get to. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you're right. That's what it takes. That's, um, and I mean, that's why there's only a very small percentage of those people. Cause I mean, not everybody can do this shit. Right. Um, Dibs, I am so glad you came on today and just, um, everybody that listened to this, I'm not even gonna say, I hope you, I know you fucking took something from it. If you did, you didn't listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, um, I will put all the all the books and stuff you mentioned and the guys you're working with. I can put their information in the description, the I, their Instagrams. I'll put his Instagram down um, so you guys can follow him as he makes his journey to the Sean Ray and then to the Olympia. And um, yeah, is there anything else you want to you want uh, to leave people with before you leave? Uh, let my my final words are going to be you know know who, know who exactly who you are. Um, that that's extremely important. And remember that winning is all consuming. It is, it is all consuming. So if you really want to be a winner, understand it's going to consume all of you. If you really want to be unstoppable. And for, I'll say on top of that, for some of you guys that are like me and you're older and you're starting to let the age get in your head. Um, the longer you think of that, the older you're going to be when you finally get off your fucking ass. So you might as well go ahead and start doing it now. So you won't be what if five years down the road when you can't do it. And then, you know, you're stuck. So before you start worrying about the ages of getting to you, go ahead and get started and get a head start on it. That's been one of my issues is, you know, I'm 37. I'm going on, you know, 40 in a few years. I'm like, fuck, how many years I got left? I'm like, while I'm thinking about that, I should be fucking pushing right now to get the what years I've got left. Because nobody says that I can't do this in my mid 40s. There's plenty of bodybuilders in their 40s. I've done very well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, having the like you like we're talking about earlier, just dwelling on shit, just fucking hold you back. Yeah. Let go. It's time to let go. Let go yeah. of the guilt. Let go of what's holding you back and move the fuck on. Yeah. Dibs, man, thank you again. I, I want to bring you on more. I definitely, yeah, I definitely want to bring you on to talk more. And especially as you get closer to competing and stuff, so we can go over some of that if you want. And um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'll see. I know you, you come over to the warehouse sometimes. So I'll see you. I'll see you then. And, uh, yep. you know, tell Mike I said, hey. I will. All right, man. All right. Take it easy. Later, bro.